Marissa Lee here, and I'm so excited to be sharing today's interview round episode with you. In these episodes, our brilliant lineup of guests will include healthcare practitioners, voice educators, and other professionals who will share their stories, knowledge, and experiences within their specialized fields to empower you to live your best life. Whether you're a member of the voice community or beyond, your voice is your unique gift. It's time now to share your gift with others, develop a positive mindset and become the best and most authentic version of yourself to create greater impact. Ultimately, you can take charge. It's time for you to live your best life. It's time now for A Voice and Beyond. So, without further ado, let's go to today's episode. What I love about the entertainment business is how everyone has a story to tell and every performer's journey is so unique. This week on A Voice and Beyond, we welcome Jacob Starks, who is a singer-dancer currently performing in the cast of Aladdin on Broadway. I'm so excited to introduce you to Jacob as I've had the pleasure of first meeting Jacob in 2018 on the cruise ship Celebrity Solstice, where he was performing in his first contract for Celebrity as a singer in a production cast. Last year, we caught up again in the Mediterranean, where he was performing on the ship Celebrity Beyond. Prior to working for Celebrity, Jacob had worked at Walt Disney World in the Festival of the Lion King with Feld Entertainment, and he has also performed at Universal Studios Japan. It was on his last night of performing on the ship, Jacob had told me he was going to follow his dream of going to New York to perform in a music theatre show on Broadway. Well, I am overjoyed to say that he has done it. In this episode, Jacob shares with us his very unique journey that has led him to land his dream job. Despite not having any formal voice training, despite dropping out of college and being fired by two different entertainment companies, Jacob reveals that all this has led him to where he is now. Jacob also describes the audition process that landed him his dream role, the rehearsal schedule, his own experiences as someone who belongs to a minority group, and the expectations and demands of being a performer on Broadway. This is such a great story, and it's not hard to tell that Jacob Starks is one of my very favorite people, and I'm sure you are going to love him as well. So, without further ado, let's go to today's episode. Welcome to A Voice and Beyond. 
Jacob Starks is in the house. Hi. Hi, one of my favorite human beings. How are you going? I'm really good. It's so good to see you. It's so good to talk to you. Um, I love you. You're one of my favorite people on the planet. Aww. I'm so grateful that I, I met Ashley, your daughter, who introduced me to you. Like, this has been so great. So, hi. Hi. <laughs> Air hug. Yeah, please. Air hug. And, Jacob, I want to say I'm just so proud of you. I feel like I'm your second mama. No. Yeah, I just love your work. We met in 2018. Yeah. On Celebrity Solstice. It was your first contract performing as a singer in a production Mm -hmm. cast alongside my daughter who was dancing in the show. Yes. And I just fell in love with you. Then we met again last year in the Mediterranean mm-hmm. on Celebrity Beyond. And I couldn't believe the growth in you as a performer, as a singer, as an entertainer Thank you. in the shows. There is something so mesmerizing about you when you're on stage. Oh. And where I'm so proud of you is that. I was on your last itinerary before disembarking Mm -hmm. Celebrity Beyond and I asked you what you were going to do next and you said, I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to try and get onto Broadway. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I did it! You did it. And I said to you, if you get into a show on Broadway, I'm going to come and watch you. I am so going to come and watch you and support you. I So, you know, I've seen that transition from that first contract mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm going to be honest, like technically you weren't as skilled as some of the other singers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know that. Yes, of course. Right? But there was something about you that I just said, that guy there is my favourite in this cast. There is just... You had like this X factor and. Oh yeah. Well, you've got the, the X factor, the thing, the, the it. You had the thing and the it. So anyway, that's enough of me <laughs> elevating you. Cause we're going <laughs> to, I'm going to do that as we go along. So you can tell people that I love this human. Yeah. So sweet. Yeah. And so you are currently in the cast of Aladdin on Broadway and we're going to talk about that, but yes. let's talk about your journey because I think your journey has been a little bit out of the box, a little bit out of the ordinary and where people go, oh, if I want to go on Broadway, this is what I'm going to do. Right. And you did not. People say that and that is not what happened to me and I'm here. I'm living proof. (laughs) I know. So let's start with your training. You were born and raised in Boyce. Louisiana. So tell us about where this performance journey started for you. Okay. So I grew up in Boyce, Louisiana. Um, I had always been singing. Of course, I was um, in like a, in my church's choir growing up as a kid. Even my church would even um, have these little dance groups um, that would perform on like special occasions. And so 
I started doing that. Um, and I would say like, I fell in love with performing growing up. I think my generation, like I'm sure we all watched TV a lot growing up, but I feel like my generation was like glued to like the Disney channel musical movies. You know what I mean? Like mm. the high school musicals, the cheetah girls, those kinds of things. And I feel like I was really inspired a, a lot growing up watching those things. And I was like, and I can do that. Mm. Okay. So, um, I was in choir uh, at church and dance groups at church and was getting a lot of uh, accolades and and uh, positive reinforcement from it, like letting me know that, hey, this is something that you are good at. Um, and then I went to high school where I started to learn to sing more uh, I guess like chorally so I could read music. I was, and I was a part of conferences or competitions where you, you know, how, like bands go and they get like first chair, yes. second chair. I did that in high school um, and went to my first convention and got like second chair as a tenor, which was really cool. Um, but then after that, I was like, okay, but I want to do this as a, like a career. And one day we had a professor from a university that was about maybe an hour away from the high school that I was going to. He came and visited. And while we were in choir class, I just, he would like left it up for questions. And I, and I said, if I want to make this a career, mm-hmm. what do I do? And he said um, to come to his school. Uh, he was the choral director at Northwestern State University of Louisiana. So I I tried out and I got into his choir mm-hmm. and there was a musical theater uh, department at the school as well. And so I auditioned for that as well. My audition song was um, Joanna from Sweeney Todd because I had never been, I wasn't listening to musicals like on Broadway or um, like there wasn't any, there weren't any theater uh, productions in my hometown. So the only like song, I guess way I could, yeah, the, well, the only way I could see that sort of medium was in the movies. Right. So Sweeney Todd or Hairspray, things that like were hugely popular are the only ways that I knew of musical theater. So I was like, okay, well, I need a musical theater song to audition. I just watched Sweeney Todd like a few months ago. I'm going to go sing that song. Right. So you had not been exposed to musical theater at all and you were probably aged about 18, 19 by then? Yeah. at, At this point I was 18 years old and the first time I sang a musical theater song was at that audition for the musical theater program at school. Wow, incredible. So up until this point, you had had no formal training in terms of private singing tuition, no. any dance lessons other than your through your church. Yeah, and none of no professional no one was a professional dancer, no one was a professional singer. They were all just giving tips and advice on what they do personally. Um, and the only, I would say technical training that I had was in my choir class where she taught us, this is an A, this is a B, C, D, and this is the staff. This is how you sing. That wasn't like singing training. That was just music training. Yeah. (laughs) So you had no vocal tuition at all. No. And you ended up getting into this institution. Yeah. (laughs) In the musical theatre department. So you must have had a lot of natural ability. Yeah. Because it's not easy to get into any of these institutions. 
No, it's not. And I do have to commend, I think, a lot of the work or adaptation that I have, I got from being able being able to have that outlet mm-hmm. in the choir at school or in the dance group at church. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that facilitated a lot of my my natural ability. Like yes. there was some there. And I think with that growing up is how I was like molding and shaping who I would end up being as a performer. Yeah. Very interesting. So I know a little bit about your story here. And you ended up, though, having four private singing lessons. That's one-on-one singing lessons during a summer program. In all four years that I attended this college, I had four lessons. Four lessons. Now, people on Broadway that are listening that have had 4,000 lessons are probably going to start hating on you and all those people that are, that are getting knockback after knockback on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to like you too much, Jacob. I'm just telling you. It's the, it was honestly, it's the circumstance. I was going to a university in a small town in Natchitoches, Louisiana, spelled Natchitoches. Um, <laughs> and you were not precocious at Nasatoshis. <laughs> no, I sure was not. Um, it, it was the, the circumstance, you know, there was a, it was a small school. I think in total in the program, there were, I want to say six professors in the whole program. Mm-hmm. And one, like two of them were acting professors. One of them was a, a music professor and two of them were dance. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you know this, but I, in, in these singing lessons, I got them because I was like, I have to try something because I auditioned for, um, I, I auditioned for the musical, th- for the theater program that, that's the umbrella and I got in and while you're there, it's subdivided into two, what would you call concentrations? So there was a musical theater concentration or a dance concentration, or maybe even just an acting concentration. Mm-hmm. And so I auditioned again to be in the musical theater concentration, but was denied. Denied. It was like, we know that sign. <laughs> yeah. Stop, stop. Um, stop. <laughs> and I, I honest with you don't know why. I mean, would it be out of the norm for a performer to think highly of themselves and say, I should have gotten in? Sure. That's that's normal. Most people feel that way. But I honestly was like very confused as to why I wasn't accepted when previous to auditioning to be in the musical theater program. This was maybe like the end of the second semester of my freshman year. So this would be six months into being in the program. I had already done a musical on the stage for the theater program. So yes. I had already proved that I can do it. So when I auditioned for the musical theater program at the end of my freshman year, I was like, oh, okay, I'll get it. No. No. (laughs) Um, And I leave it up to, I think it was my professor's way of trying to teach me something in some Mm -hmm. weird roundabout toxic way. Um, Yes. Trying to teach me a lesson or Mm -hmm. maybe me to want to prove myself more, but what it did instead was turn me to dance. Really? So rather than you going, okay, I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove you wrong. You decided that, okay, I'm not having this anymore. I'm going to go over here. Yeah. So it was like, bye, I time out. 
I'm going to dancing. Yeah. But why did you do the four singing lessons? Because this was, I, and I didn't get these singing lessons until my junior year. So this was three years after I started college. So at this age, I'm probably 21 when I had my first singing lesson. And I got them because I thought that that's what you were supposed to do. Yes. They were offering them. I hadn't had them. And they usually just give them to the musical theater students who are in that concentration. They usually just give them to them right away, like without, you know, Mm. them having to ask. But there were some available that weren't being taken up by those students. Right. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Or, you know, I, I should be taking music lessons or singing lessons and there's some available. So I went and grabbed them. Okay. I signed up and didn't have to audition for those, thankfully. Okay. So what was that experience like for you? What do you remember learning in those four lessons? In those four lessons, I learned, I think, two songs. And that's all I learned from my time. Okay. So you learned two songs. What about any technical skills? No. So they weren't proper, let's say proper singing lessons. It was more like vocal coaching. Yeah, it was more like vocal coaching. Looking back on it now and being older, what I would say is it was more for learning how to beef up your book for auditions. Okay. So giving you more audition options. Yeah. Giving you more material and being there to help you learn the material. Yeah. Okay, so it's very unusual for someone who's had your career and especially where you're at right now mm-hmm. to not have had formal training. So what I'm curious to know is, one, have you ever felt that it's held you back? Mm-hmm. And two, have you run into vocal health problems or sustained any vocal pathologies as a result of not knowing how to handle certain situations as a professional performer? It's a really good question, actually. Okay. I would say, yes, I do think that it's held me back. Mm -hmm. Because of where I am now, I can only think and like retrospectively where I could be had I had the training Mm -hmm. that most people have. That's my initial thought. That's my my gut reaction. Yes. But at the same time, I want to say no, because maybe this is meant to be this, like, obviously, Mm -hmm. maybe I wouldn't be where I am if I had, you know, because then, because, because my story is so all over the place, I feel like I would have been on that same path that a lot of people go down where it, it is so strict on what goals you you have set up and how they are meant to be achieved. And I think because that first goal was never really achieved, I've always found roundabout ways to get what I want mm. or where. I, does that make yes. sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. But what about vocal health issues or pathologies? Have you ha- ever had any? No, I've never had any nodule symptoms or anything like that. The closest that I've I've ever come to is fatigue. I've had voice fatigue, but that's nothing mm-hmm. out of the ordinary for a, a performer who's singing as much as I have been. Yes. Uh, no, I, I haven't had any. Yeah. And I've seen you. I've watched you perform a number of times and you do some crazy stuff on stage. I've heard you sing Prince better than Prince sings. No. I've heard you sing repertoire that is 
out of this world and really highly demanding and everything from pop, rock, yeah. musical theatre, big ballads. I've heard you sing across everything that one can think of and I think knowing you and, and having watched you through your career over the last few years and your growth as a vocalist, you're someone where I think, yeah, vocal training may have helped you become more sustainable, but you've sustained what you've done. But I think not having had training has made you fearless. Mm-hmm. You actually are not scared to try something and you don't get in your own way of if I do this, I might hurt my voice. Like mm-hmm. you come very much from an emotional, a primal place where you have a story to tell mm-hmm. and it comes from there. And that's why I think you have what I call the it or that X factor, which is so cliche. I'm sorry that I use that, but for want of a better word, but you do not get in your own way. You actually will sing everything and anything. And and when you say you're a tenor, I've heard you sing baritone notes. And I've heard you sing higher than a tenor where you've gone into falsetto. I've heard you sing everything and you are not afraid to do so. Yeah. And you know what? It's great that you mentioned that because I have an ex who I met while I was working in Japan back in 2016. And he had just come from uh, full time in Australia. And this was his first job mm-hmm. was working at Universal Studios in Japan. And because he had just come from all of that formal training, the way he approached work and it was so he was he was honestly, I think he was getting in his own way. Yes. and. That he was doing was so methodical mm-hmm. because he had been taught that he had to do things a certain way. He wouldn't allow any room for adaptation in a real world situation where sometimes you have to be able to adapt and maybe learn a song a different way or maybe uh, perform the song a different way. He really struggled to allow himself to yes. to do that because he had he was green, so green, and just come fresh out of full time. And yes. was like, no, this is what they said, this is what they said mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. to be professional. And I sat back in my like 20, 26 years watching him going, oh, but it would be so much easier for you if you just let that go. Let it go. Yeah. Like you training that you have, that's going to be your foundation. Sure. But breathe, breathe into the work, I think. Yes. And there's that idea of getting in your own way and also that perfectionism, mm-hmm. that a lot of that training, unless it's perfect. and it's never going to be good enough. You're, yes, whereas you're very much the storyteller mm-hmm. and you sing really well. Thank like you. you sing better than most people who are fully trained. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I am a per- perfectionist myself. I am very hard on myself. We, we All performers are. Um, all creatives who use their... Uh, their instruments, their bodies as their art form are all super uh, critical of themselves. But I like, yeah, it's like you said, I would, I would much rather the audience feel what I'm trying to convey than them hear me sing more forward and less, less back or sing how the, the paperwork says you're meant to do it. I would much rather them feel it than. Yes. 
Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, and I think that is definitely the point of difference with you. And that's what I've always gauged from you is that power that you have. You totally immerse yourself in the repertoire that you're performing and the audiences gravitate to you mm-hmm. in that because they can feel what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've always felt as someone that's that's watched you in that performance mode. So it's very interesting. I've had no formal training. Yeah other than four lessons that were like more like vocal coaching. Yeah. You yeah. didn't finish your college. You didn't graduate. No, no I did not graduate. Um, Tell us <laughs> about that. Okay, so I was 22. I was in my last year of college, so I should have been finishing up, but I also hate school. Um, <laughs> So (laughs) I wasn't doing well in my other courses because college is more than just, especially for a theater performer, is more than just theater. You still have to go and take biology and algebra. You still have to go take all those classes. I was not taking those classes. I was sleeping and going to dance class or going to my acting uh, vocal dialect class. You know what I mean? I was doing that instead of going to my other classes. And by my senior year, I still had, I think it was 19 credits left in my degree that I needed to, to finish. And that's, a, that's, about another, that's about another year's worth of, of schooling. Um, and I said, no. <laughs> no. I, Computer I, says no. <laughs> I um I thought to myself, I am not going to get a job um as a accountant. I'm not going to get a job as a therapist. I'm going to be a performer. And so if that's what I'm going to do, then I should take what I've gotten because all of my training has come from college. I always tell people this. I look back on those years as that was my training my mm-hmm. four years in college from 19 to 22 years old. Those are my, those are my training years. And so I took that and my fiance at the time was like, well, let's go, let's go out. Cause he graduated. Good for yes. him. Um, <laughs> he was like, let's go, let's go and audition. Let's go start auditioning then. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I feel confident. And I have someone here with me supporting me. That's like, and my family were also very supportive this mm-hmm. whole time too. Mm-hmm. Um, because they believed that this was what I was meant to do. So they were like, yeah, okay, go for it. They didn't even go to college. So they were like, at least you did four years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't care that you didn't graduate. At least yeah, we can at say least, least. our son went to college. <laughs> okay. And so we moved, we, we took a trip to Orlando, Florida and auditioned for Disney World at the parks there. And I got it. That was my first job. It was to be a dancer in the Festival of the Lion King show in Animal Kingdom. That's the very first professional job I ever got out of school after the the four years of training. Right. Um, right. Was that a good job? Oh, it was. Um, <laughs> there's so many mixed feelings. There's so many mixed feelings. It was a great job. I think it was a great first job. Right. Um the audition was really intense and made me really think that it was going to be like everything that everyone was saying it, that the entertainment businesses, like those auditions are like grueling and there's like 
200 people there and they cut it down. They make so many cuts. And so that's what it was. And granted, it was Disney World. So, of course, there were a lot of people. Mm. But fast forward, not many other auditions have been like that. And I, I loved dancing for hundreds and thousands of people a day. Wow. Um, that gave me my first like, like satis- like soul satisfying moments. You know what I mean? As a performer, mm-hmm. being on the stage and seeing th- that many people there because they love this, they love entertainment. People love Disney. Yeah, people love Disney. It feel good. And it's quality entertainment all the time. I'm like, I can't, I can't deny them for that. Uh, they have their own issues with um, employee, employee satisfaction rates. Job I would satisfaction. Say. <laughs> yeah. They have their own issues with that, but it's always really great. It just so happens though, that I didn't last very long. I know why. <laughs> <laughs> shall I tell the audience or shall you? Yeah. Can you, can you, can you tell them? You can tell them. Okay. People. Jacob was fired. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. But he's still on Broadway now. It's okay. Yeah. We have a happy ending here. Okay. All's well there. Yeah, but it's not the only job he's been fired from. <laughs> and really? Do you want to tell people why you keep getting fired? Okay. So Disney was the first job I got fired from. I also went over to Universal Studios in Orlando as well, was let go from that job. And I eventually, and like I mentioned earlier, in 2016, I started working for Universal Studios in Japan. Unfortunately, was let go from that job as well. (laughs) It's all because um, I have this thing where my time management skills are not something that I uh, brag about. They aren't the great. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I I like to think that I've changed. In the past, I I, I was late a lot, and I didn't know how to uh, be on time. That is so weird, <laughs> isn't it? I'm and sorry. With, with, the, I, with the career I, that I've had, with the career that I've had. Mm-hmm. I've been fired. But haven't you heard of like alarms on your phone? And you can even, there's even a snooze button if you really want to use that. But here's the thing. So I, and I, I said this and I've read, I've read somewhere. I can't, I don't know where I read it and I don't remember exactly what it said, but it said something to the effect of a lot of times. The people who struggle with time management are people who are super creative and very good people. Their uh, minds are geared to create things and do things. And so it's hard for the that part of their brain to be as strong as the others. Okay. I haven't read that, but I just want to know, did your mum write that somewhere? <laughs> oh no she was she was so mad she hates that those she hates those those moments okay because there's this isn't like my gosh yeah i'm I'm not gonna tell that story but 
But yeah, okay. she, she, she ain't very happy about it. Okay. Now, I see, when you told me all this, I was so shocked because to me, I look at you as someone who's highly disciplined. When you're on stage, you are such a professional perform, like you are professional in every single way from your grooming, everything, attention to detail. I can see that work. Mm-hmm. People, other people wouldn't because they're not in our industry that are watching, but I can appreciate the attention to detail and your professionalism. Now, I also know having been twice on a ship where you've been performing, you also very disciplined in terms of I don't ever really see you going out drinking with the cast. I don't ever see you really roaming around the ship too much. You seem to keep very much to yourself. I don't, a couple of times I've seen you on a shore excursion or disembarking the ship, but while I've been on the ship, I don't see you floating around. You seem to really kind of stick to yourself, you seem very disciplined in that area. So the fact that you have time management okay. problems was really astounding to me. And when I asked my daughter, Ashley, mm-hmm. about your time, she said, oh, yes, mum. <laughs> <laughs> she so said, true. Jacob is always late. <laughs> I, and I don't know why or what it is. No, no I'll tell you what it is. I hate and I've always struggled with authority and rules really? my whole life. Mm-hmm. Hate, hate, hate rules. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and being on time is a huge rule, right? Well, it's very important because it means <laughs> you can keep a job to start with. <laughs> right. You are 100% right. So I think that's where it all really stems from is mm. it's a huge rule and I hate rules and I hate being told what to do. And so when, when someone tells me I have to be somewhere or do something at a certain time, I'm like, okay, I will be there at exactly that time then. Yes. Cause you know, most people always say five minutes early is on time and on time is late. No, I don't agree. I think on time is on time. Okay. I, I strive, and this is probably why it always backfires, is I always strive to get there exactly when I need to be. I don't like to be there early because then I'm just sitting around and I'm bored and I don't have anything to do. So I'm just sitting and I'm- That's a waste some, of time. Yeah. You're and wasting, I, yeah. Sometimes I can be uh, a little socially shy. And so I'm not like, I'm not waking up at 10 a.m. to go and like have a grand old time at work before I go and actually do my job. Mm. So I just, I'm really just sitting there wasting my time. Yeah. And because of that, I fail at being on time because you can't really ever be exactly on time. You're either always going to be early or late. Mm. And so yes. it usually ends up being because I want to be on time that I'm actually late. All right. Okay. Well, proudly, you survived your ship contracts. You didn't get fired from those. I because I learned my lesson from the last time that I got fired. Because when I got fired from Japan, I was honestly devastated. Oh. And I I vowed to really work on myself and do better. And I have, I haven't been, I haven't been late enough 
because <laughs> Ashley can say she can verify. I just still am a little late sometimes, but I have not been late enough that it has caused an issue. Um, like it was fast. Yes. So I survived and I made it after Japan, which is where I was fired from and why I was seeking a job. I made it through my first ship contract. Yes. So you were performing in the production shows as a vocalist and in your last contract on Celebrity Beyond, which is where I saw you, mm-hmm. that was July last year, July 2022. Mm-hmm. You said to me, I am going to go live in New York and I'm going to audition for musical theatre productions on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so you've done it. Let's talk about <laughs> Broadway. <laughs> okay. and, and how did that come about? Like, to be in a show on Broadway, because you literally did it in a matter of months, yeah. do you have to have an agent to perform on Broadway and be part of a union? What are the rules and regulations in terms of auditioning for Broadway? I'm so happy to talk about this um, because I am 32 years old. I'll be 33 in April. And I've been working professionally since I was 22. So that's 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's 10 years I've been working professionally. Yes. And in those 10 years, never had an agent. And I was getting jobs, losing jobs, yes. but getting <laughs> jobs all on my own mm-hmm. and in pretty great capacities, working for giant corporations, entertainment uh, values through the roof and everything that I was doing. And like I said, all without an agent. Now, fast forward to me coming to the end of my last ship contract on the Celebrity Beyond that you that you saw me on. I just had this feeling that if I really wanted to make it in a large metropolitan city like this, I would need help. And beyond just needing help, (laughs) being in the industry for 10 years, I was a little tired of doing it all on my own. Yes. It's a Um, lot of hustling. Yeah. And so I, I kind of said, you know what, I, I would rather hire somebody to do the work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was telling everyone like, okay, I think I'm going to move to the city and get an agent and see how that works out. I left the ship in July and I hadn't applied or reached out to anyone, by the way. And I was doing a production of Kinky Boots in New Orleans for a really good friend of mine. And I got a message from from someone on Instagram saying that they were uh, an agent and they had seen me on The Celebrity Beyond. and wanted to know if I had representation or if I was interested in looking for representation. And mm-hmm. I was like, what are you kidding me? Like how could the universe not be on my life? This is amazing. It is amazing. And so I said, funny enough, I have just been telling everyone the la- for the last like two months that I'm going to go try and find an agent. And here you are in my lap. And so I signed with UIA talent agency who has been incredible to work with so far. One of their main missions and goals is to represent minorities and LGBTQ plus performers who don't usually always get the the spotlight 
or their agents don't usually push for them in certain areas because they are of a minority race or they are of some sort of minority. Mm-hmm. And so one of their really huge missions has been to be that agency that pushes people in those in those areas that they don't normally they wouldn't normally go to. And we've been working together since August. Yeah. Is when I started with them. We've been working together since August. And after working together for when did I get this? In uh, in November. So from That's August really to November, quick. August to November, I booked my first job with them. And that first job was what I'm doing right now. Aladdin. Aladdin on Broadway. Um, that is so incredible. So incredible. And congratulations. Really well deserved. Even though you've been fired twice, you didn't finish college <laughs> and you've only had four formal singing lessons with a vocal coach who taught you yeah. songs. And to the, <laughs> to, the, to, the, to, the, to the question of do you need an agent, I... That is one of the most difficult questions, I think, to answer as a performer. But being on both sides of the the spectrum of the coin, I have worked without an agent and I've worked with an agent. I've gotten jobs without an agent and now I've gotten jobs with an agent. Mm -hmm. I think whether or not you need an agent in order to make it in this industry depends on two things I think are the most important. What you want to do mm-hmm. and where you want to do it. Yes. Because from what I understand to actually be able to audition on Broadway, isn't there some sort of union organization you have to be a part of? You can't just go and audition. Well, anyone can audition for a musical. Let's say the audition is for Rent to the Musical. Mm-hmm. Anyone can audition for that musical. If it's going if it's going on Broadway, anyone can still audition. However, the casting company for that production will hold auditions for equity performers, people who already That's have the their one. Equity. Yes, equity performers. But then they will also hold auditions for that same musical for performers who are non-equity. Mm-hmm. So they have they they split it up into different categories because I was a non-equity performer auditioning for Aladdin, which is an equity uh, Broadway musical. Mm-hmm. And I, I got it. So it's not like you can't audition for, for Broadway if you're not equity, but it usually means that you, as a performer, you've been in the business to the standard and then the quality that they're going to be looking for. You probably know someone that they've already worked for, worked with. I think those are the only reasons really why they, they split it up that way. Yes. So is it then, based on what you've just said, is it who you know? Because there seems to be you hear all these hard luck stories about Broadway and there's movies written and and musicals written about the hard luck stories Mm -hmm. on Broadway where people get knockback after knockback. Mm -hmm. So is it then that it's who you know and are some of these shows already like precast? Ooh, okay. Ooh, that's that's Ooh. a dirty question, isn't it? Okay, I think yes, it is who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in summary, it's all of it. It's not. It's never. It's never one thing. It's never you. If you have an agent, it's gonna happen. 
it's never it's never just that. It's never, oh, well, I know the assistant uh, choreographer, so it's going to happen. It's never it's never that cut and dry. It's everything encompassing. Mm-hmm. Having an agent in New York City, one of the biggest audition cities in the world. Yes. Helps. Knowing someone um, that's already done the production that you're auditioning for helps because they could put in a nice word to the people who's going to be in the room at the audition with you. So I think I think it's all in one, honestly, because that's how it worked for me. I had an agent. One of my great friends that I was doing Kinky Boots with, he was the director for Kinky Boots, was the was in the original cast of Aladdin. And I told him I, I submitted my stuff to the show and he was like, oh, my gosh, why didn't you? T- I, I, sh- I should be going and tell, telling someone that, you, that you're auditioning. They should see you and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so he did. So that that helps. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's that's what I mean by it's all of it. And so him, I think even just his name being attached to my name already put shined a different light on my face when I walked into the room. So I, it's, it's very important. I think in these sort of situations just to to be as authentically yourself as possible. You know what I mean? Agreed. In any situation. I'm, I'm, if I hadn't been on the journey that I had been, I would have never met Donald I would have never, like, I would have never been on celebrity cruise lines for that uh, agent to see me. And those two, two things that were choices that in the past had led me to those points were part of how I got to where I am. So being as authentically and horrible with time management (laughs) as, as I've been, being as authentically myself is what has really, I think, set me aside from everyone else who is trying to be cookie cutter perfect on paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because a lot of people move to New York, they start working as, you know, uh, waiters, waitresses, whatever it is, waiting tables Mm -hmm. in diners and restaurants, but you moved there because you had a gig. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That is so amazing. So when you talk about the audition process, what did you have to do to audition? For Aladdin specifically, yes, there was a call that went out onto Playbill, mm-hmm. which everyone knows who, yes. who's trying to audition for musicals. You know about Playbill.com. You can go and they, they, they put up auditions all the time. I had seen an, the audition for Aladdin, told my agent about it, said that I'm going to submit and put you down for my reference or point of contact. It was the a dance call audition self-tape for, I think that it was maybe, maybe even just like 15, 20 seconds of a piece of the choreography from the show. I submitted it. And within, I want to, I want to say it was maybe like a week, week and a half, my agent got back to me and said that they contacted them and asked if I could fly up to New York for, or make it to the New York for the, an in-person callback mm. audition. And I was like, well, I'm in Miami. <laughs> um, so, and the, and the, the callback audition was three days later after I, my agent had gotten back to me. And so I booked a flight for 24 hours I landed that night, went to the audition that morning, and then flew back uh, that night. And at the 
the callback audition, the casting director was there, Tara Rubin, uh, casting was there, the music uh, director was there, the dance captain was there, and I they had a reader as well. I, I just don't remember if that person was mm. who they were, but those are the people that were in the room. So the casting uh, team was there and the company team. Oh, and the state when one of the stage managers from the show. Right. So the first thing we did was dance. There were two groups of men. They split us up, I think, until it was probably 14 each in each group. And we learned, luckily, the same choreography that they taught on the self-tape audition. So that's why it was, I think, more so a callback audition for me, just to like see me in person doing the, the material. Mm-hmm. And I did well, I believe. Well, that's not true. Actually, we got to do it twice. We got to do it twice. The first time, slay. Second time, I I, I I like stumbled over my leg at some point or something like that. And so I kind of wobbled, but saved it. Still killed it. Of and, course killed it. And then after this, they put us back into the holding room and then asked us, uh, called out names to stay. And then if you stayed, they asked you to prepare a small excerpt from the show. Which was the same again, same as the the self tape. The before I came, you had to sing part of the song as well. It's Arabian Nights from the show. I sang it for them. He asked me to uh, sing it again. At with this audition, there was an option up, or you could just keep it, you know, plain and plain mm-hmm. simple. And I chose to keep it plain and simple because I didn't want to take a, I didn't want to take a risk and it fail on me while I had just done such an amazing. So play, I played it a little safe and he said, can you do it again? But this time, can you do the option up? And so I asked him, I said, I being myself, I said, listen, I can do it, but is it okay if I, if I like flip up to it? Like if I don't just hit it. Like glide up to it. Yeah. Like, right. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I like to call it a backboard. I all, I love a good backboard off of a note to go higher. Um, and so I said, if, can I do it, do it that way? And he was like, well, I prefer if you did it flat on. And I was like, okay, yes, go straight into okay, it. okay. If that's what you want, I can do it. And so I did it and it was fine. It wasn't the best, but it was fine. Um, and then he said, okay, now can you just sing along with the piano? The guy's just going to like go up some scales to see your range. And so I went all the way up to the note that he was looking, that he wanted me to sing at the end. He was like, okay, so you can obviously do it. It's just not what you do consistently. And I was like, no, 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 no. I would much rather sing a I would much rather sing an A consistently than a B consistently. Does that, you know what I mean? Because for me, my right, when it starts to get to the B, Cs, depending mm. on the day, it might not be there. Um, but I can right. consistently sing an A. Um, and so he was like, okay, so obviously you can do it. It's just not what you're consistent uh, consistent with. And I was like, no, I'd much, I'm much more consistent with an A. Um, and they were like, okay, great. Now we'd like for you to read this side with um, our reader who's here. Um, and funny story. They uh, actually didn't point out the reader to me as if I should be directing all of my attention to that person. When we started, I was looking like I was in an audition, looking straight forward above their heads, performing performing it to them. And as soon as I started, they stopped me. (laughs) They stopped me and they were like, 
she's right there. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Hi, my name is Jacob. It's so nice to meet you. I have just like completely been ignoring you this whole time. Hi. Okay, let's do this. And so then we, we, they all, we all laughed together. Um, and we continued on with the, the sides. Um, and it went, it went well. Afterwards, I went and got my things and gathered them outside. And as I was gathering my things, one of the casting team members um, mentioned that the callbacks are meant to be happening on the Thursday. There's another callback for a tap. It's meant to be happening on Thursday. And one of the perform- one of the guys auditioning was like, I need to know now if I'm going to be needed for the callback. And I was like, oh my God, actually, that's so true. I need to let them know. I said, hey, just so you know, I'm flying back to Miami in like yes. three hours. If I need to stay for Thursday, can you let me know as soon as possible? And they were like, okay, great. It was still taking long enough that I... I went and grabbed my things from, from my friend's house, started walk, making my way to the airport. I get a call from my agent who says that the, the team, the company, everyone who was there has decided that they aren't going to do callbacks anymore. Um, and that I am now in the like final runnings or final considerations for, for the job. And I was like, okay, oh my God, that's great. This is the first, like, this is, that is amazing. First, first audition I just went to, and I'm already like being amazing. Highly, considered, highly considered for it. Amazing. And then uh, maybe five days later, I got the call that I got it. So that was the, that is this. so amazing. That's, that's how that audition went. Okay. So your role within the show is as a swing. So tell us what a swing does. So, and more specifically, a vacation swing, because there are two types of swings. There are standby swings and um, what I am, a vacation swing. Standby swings are there at the show every single night with the rest of, they, they sign up, they sign in and show up when the rest of the cast show up just in case something happens um, last minute and they need someone to go on. So that's why, that's why they're called standbys. Yes. I am a vacation swing. So I, I, after my contract that just ended yesterday while I was to, to learn and perform the show to get comfortable with it, I am now on a on-call status. So I will be contacted with contracts as they, as needed. So my job as a vacation swing is to know all of the male ensemble uh, tracks in the show. There are how many? There are 12. So you have to know 12 parts, 12, 12 roles, 12 shows. That's how I think about it because each one is doing, doing their own dancing. So singing and dancing. Yes. 12 roles. 12, 12. Yes. 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you manage that? How do you learn that? Oh, okay. I, that doesn't look very well, positive. It's not that it's not positive. It's hard to explain. I, what goes on in your head? All of, all and how of, do you rehearse for that? All Sorry, all these questions. <laughs> All of the content is what's what going. It's what's going through my head. I I am constantly thinking about the show. I am constantly thinking about the choreography that this that this one track. Let's say let's call him the green track. The one choreography that the green track knows, as well as the one con- the the choreography that the blue track knows. So those are like that's what's on my mind all the time. Is the show? It's twelve roles, but the saving grace sometimes is that maybe it's just. 
for this one song <laughs> or this one moment in the show, you're an opposite to a, sh- a track that you already know. So it's not like I'm having to completely learn a new dance in some moments of the show. So there are some, there are bits of relief. <laughs> yeah, Cause I know when people hear 12 tracks, they'll, my mind, I don't know. I'm surprised my mind hasn't melted, but my mind hurts. Yeah, like it's, it's been, it's been the most amazing challenge. And I think coming from doing cruise ships, which was another bigger challenge for me, it being my first time being a pure vocalist, a singer, and then now doing this, I'm, I'm so grateful for the, like the chance to like push myself even further mm-hmm. and still I at, at this point in my career, I'm still pushing it. And it's amazing. As a vacation swing, then does that mean one night you might be blue, the next night you might be green? So it's changing every night? Yes. So Are you, yeah. just, uh, I want to say last week, there was a put in rehearsal for one of the performers who were coming on as Genie for that week. He was filling in. Um, so we had to put in rehearsal for him. I was doing a green track that day. And then the next day I went on into the show as blue track. And then the next day in rehearsal, I was learning the purple track. And then the next day I was, I was concentrating and shadowing as they, they say, trailing the, the black track. So I, it, would, it, it is literally every single day. And it depends on um, who calls out or who is going, who's taking a personal day or who's taking a vacation who's sick. Like right now there's a dancer who, who we think is injured. So he's going to be out for a while. And in those sorts of situations, they would call in the vacation swing because at the same time that this person Mm. is now injured, there are people who have COVID and so they're out. And so some of the standbys are already fill in, but that'll be just for however long that that is. And then because I'm a vacation swing, when I'm done with that contract, that week long contract, if I wanted to, I could take a contract working on a, uh, a gig in New York for a few days. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if Aladdin reaches out and I am unavailable, I can politely decline and say, I'm so sorry, I'm already taken. Right. So that's where the vacation yeah. swing um, aspects are a little different from the other swings. I'm not on a like year long contract. They come, mm-hmm. they come and go. They can be anywhere from one day to three months. Mm-hmm. Wow. I bet <laughs> you must be tripping people over as they leave the venue, well, uh, the theater, just so you get, you get to perform the next oh. night. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry. Oh I didn't mean gosh. to trip you over. I didn't <gasps> oh, you broke your leg. You know Gee, that's a shame. I'll have to work the next six months. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll cover you. Don't worry. I'll cover it. I'll cover it. Do you need- I'll be there. I'll be there. Do you need me to take you home? I can take you home. Um, okay. That is a lot. That is, that sounds really, really hard work. How is the workload for you when, when you're performing? Okay. How many shows a week is it that the show is on? Currently it's on four, eight. Eight shows. Okay. I like how you had to count. Two show days and then four one show days. Boom. Okay. Well, how do you deal with that workload? I mean, aside from the mental fatigue 
because you have to remember so much. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with the workload yourself? Um, How do you take care of yourself and, and what do you do to stay in that peak condition? I do what I've always done. And it's what um, Ashley and you've you've noticed. And when you were on the cruise ships, when I'm not at work, I try to re-center myself, re uh, just relax and be with myself as much as I possibly mm-hmm. can. I call it resetting, just because it when you put yourself in those sort of environments, there's so much that you're taking on that even sometimes you don't even realize that you're taking on personal people's personalities and and the, the, even just the work itself mm. that through through your mind and through your through your body. I do a lot of nothing. I do a lot of nothing. Like today was the day one day off that you get on Broadway. Monday. Dark Mondays. And I woke up, I put on some really chill music. I opened the window to get some fresh air and I just laid in my bed listening to music. I eventually got up and like brushed my teeth and washed my face. Like I just really take care of this because it's the only reason I am doing what I'm doing. Like I'm using this to yes make, to, to, to make money to your body, your mind, yeah. your soul, your spirit. It's why I, it's why I don't go drink. It's why, it's why I don't drink the night before I have to perform. That's why on cruise ships, a lot of the time I'm not out at the bars or mm. out with everyone. Mm-hmm. After a show, if I drink, I'm going to lose my voice. If I drink the night before a show, the next day I wake up, I could be dehydrated. I, yes. I could have a headache. You know, there's so many, so many factors that go into it. And so in a grueling schedule like this on Broadway, where it's eight shows, eight shows a week, I think it's even more important than to like take a hot bath, go sit with a face mask on. Don't talk to anybody. I, you know what I mean? Like I remove myself yes. from any, I, I'm not talking for a couple hours in the morning when I first wake up. I eat what I want. Okay. I make myself feel good. Yes. <laughs> so, and what about once you get to the theater, do you guys have a vocal captain or a music director that warms you up as an ensemble? You do your own warm-up? This is something that I discovered when I got my job on Broadway. <laughs> because, and you know what, granted... That was a no, by the way. That was a no. Sorry, yes. Okay. The answer is... That was a no. The answer is no. There is Wow, no. so nobody warms up. You don't warm up together. Because even on the ship, you were warming up. And that, you were doing a physical warm-up. Yeah, physical warm-up and vocal warm-up. And the, the vocal captain would warm you up yeah. or lead the warm-up. And on Broadway, there's nothing. It's every man for himself. Yes, because, and this is why... We're all professionals. We're showing up to work. We're showing up to work. And so, and Mm. also being, it is late at night, usually when the shows happen. So you have all day at home. It's not like on a cruise ship where you're you're working when you're on the ship, regardless of if you're on the stage or not. And on the ship, we also have things where we have to do, we have to have tech rehearsals and things like that. And so, yes, we, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot more factors that go into to cruise shipping. And so I understand and really a- agree with group warmups and things like that. But here 
it's like, well, no, this is, this is your job. When you, when a person at uh, the bank goes to work, they aren't, they aren't coming to work and then getting dressed. Mm-hmm. They're already dressed before they come. Okay. Does that make okay. sense? Um, yes. that's, so that's why, and that's what I've noticed. I haven't, yeah, I haven't had a, a physical or vocal warm up, but like by someone since I was on the ship this whole time. Do you, do you warm up though? No, I haven't warmed up. <gasps> you don't warm up? Not like I used you, to, not like I used to. Do you cool? And so therefore you wouldn't even cool down because I know on the ship you didn't cool down. That was something that I yeah. introduced the cast to. No, um, was cooling I, down. I do a quick, because my voice is usually warm enough and I'm not singing lead uh, principal songs. Like I granted, I'm a ensemble member when I'm on the stage. I think that would change my uh, approach if I was in a principal role where you are going to hear me for sure. I'm swinging into ensemble roles. So what I do is since it's at the end of the day that I start singing, I'm talking throughout the day. So I know my voice is warm enough that before maybe 15 minutes before the show, I'll go backstage and do trills and sirens and certain things that little, very quick, very quick warmups that I know I can do to get my voice to where it needs to be to, in order to. Right. Um, But as far as like what I'm used to doing, where I sit for, 15 minutes doing an actual warm up, making sure I, I get my alliteration in, I get my breath, my breath work in, um, uh, make certain parts of my voice. You know, I was doing all of that very, uh, very much in a different, uh, way than I am now where it's like, you aren't really mm-hmm. near me. So I'm just going to go backstage 15 minutes before do what I need to do and then go out and, uh, and kill it. As far as, as far as, yeah. Stretching though, as a dancer, no, I definitely, I'm definitely stretching the entire time as well while I'm back. Mm-hmm. Like I, my body has to be warm enough. I can't, I'm 32. I can't, yes. I can't, yes. I can't do, do the same thing with my voice that I can with my body. Yes. Is COVID still impacting the, the shows <laughs> on Broadway? Yes. I think it depends on the venue. It, it is a roller coaster. It is always up and down. We just came from at Aladdin, we just came from a red zone, which was, and even worse, a, what they call a five and five, which means five people, uh, tested positive within five days, um, which put us in a, a protocol that required each of the performers to test every day before they came in. Because before then, depending on the, the, the state of the state, we could be in a yellow zone in the state or a red zone in the state. If it's a, a red zone in the state, you test at the show twice a week, one at the beginning and one at the end. Mm-hmm. If the, the city or the state is in a yellow zone, then you only have to test once the week, the, the first day of the week, the, the working week. Yes. Have you had to close the theater down at any time while you've been no. in the cast? Not me. So the shows have all gone ahead. Yes. The, and The shows are surviving. And you talked about that someone had a, an injury before, mm-hmm. which, by the way, you didn't cause. I did not. I did not. Let yeah. the record show. <laughs> it does, with the theatres, with the production companies, do they have allied services for performers? So do they have... A speech pathologist? Do they have an ENT? Do they have 
a vocal coach? Do they have like a a team of people to help performers within that cast? If they happen to run into vocal health problems, do they have people like manual therapists, that kind of thing? Okay. So what the the show itself provides, because there are two separate entities at work here that I'm going to talk about, the show itself provides physical therapy. Because in the house, in the building, they they have a physical, physical therapist that you can book appointments with at any time. So that is what the theater and the show itself is doing to help the performers. Outside of that, it's the union. Equity union is what would then take over to take care of ENT appointments or injuries, like how if, if someone is actually hurt and needs more than just a physical therapy session. So like relax the muscles or something. So if you're a part of the union, they, you can reach out and ask for, Hey, I'm feeling this way. I need this. And they'll provide you with who they, who they work with, who is accepted by, by their union. Funny story. I'm not in the union. I, opted, mm-hmm. I opted to not join. Right. Okay. So if something happens to you, like if you have a vocal pathology mm-hmm. or you have a physical injury, you have to go and find your own help. Yes. I'm- Other than the physiotherapist yeah. or the physical therapist, as you call them in the US, that you have in the building. Yes. But the poor singers, if they run into problems, there's no nobody really other than the union help. Yeah. Okay. With your moving from the ship to New York, because you're on the ship for a few years working on different uh, ships within the same cruise line that, that's a celebrity, and I know that their conditions are pretty good mm-hmm. compared to a lot of cruise ships. What's it been like for you then? How have you adjusted moving to New York? It is so it's so nice it's i i just thoroughly enjoy being able to disassociate from work mm-hmm. on the cruise ships you can't do that because no you, you <laughs> live where you work i think living in the city is tough already it's very cold <laughs> especially right now it's so big there's so it's so dense at the end dense at the same time like there's so much happening but I thoroughly enjoy that like if there's there's an energy that um, you can feel here that really I think perpetuates its stereotype and not being in cruise ship land I think there's a yeah, there's a there's a world of difference from being yes. being surrounded by by the same thing over and over, and then being able to to step out step outside of it. I can look back at it now retrospectively and think how of how it has helped me and propelled me to where I am now. But I'm so grateful to be where I am. Yes, because on the ship you have everything taken care of. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take care of yourself. You have accommodations paid for. Your food is paid for. Mm-hmm. Everything is supplied. But all of a sudden now you're in New York and you've got to go and find your own apartment, pay for your own apartment. You have to pay for your own food. So you have to learn how to budget money Ooh. as well. Yeah, and it's expensive here. It's so expensive. Here. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And- 
Because they talk about the broke performers on Broadway, the people are living on a shoestring budget. Yeah, that's and- true. Um, it is so very true. Uh, I can't stress that enough. It is so very true. I think it's really important for, for anyone to know, like I am making Broadway money and it's so amazing. Um, but another huge difference from working on a cruise ship is there are taxes being taken out. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and agent fees being taken out. Mm-hmm. And so regardless of how much how much of how amazing this Broadway money is, I don't get to see a lot of it. And so I am work I am working from a lot less than what I had an- originally anticipated. So I think it's something that's very like uh, a stereotype that needs to be like taken seriously because if you aren't prepared for for that, you could be put in a situation where you don't have a place here in the city. And it get like I said, it's very cold. It's very harsh out here. So yes, it, it's very true. It's survival yeah, of it's the a, fittest, it is survival. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I'm and yeah. I love that challenge that I've I've been able to have here so far. Hmm. Just a final few questions and and one thing that I want to touch upon with you because you talked about minority groups. Mm -hmm. So in terms of inclusivity, diversity, equity, belonging, as someone from a minority group, Mm -hmm. how have you felt being cast within a Broadway production? Do you feel supported and taken care of? Yeah, I, I, I do. The, the very pure answer to that is so yes, I really do. I think it goes without saying that there's still work to be done. Every mm-hmm. year. There's always work to be done, I think. However, yes. my situation is so special, I think, because I'm doing a, a Disney uh, production, Disney theater group, and Disney is already so uh, strong in inclusivity uh, so mm-hmm. working for a company like that, I, the, the balance is a, is a little, is a little better in our case. I think we, we have full Arabic and Middle Eastern principal performers doing Jasmine and Aladdin. Uh, I, when I found that out, it like touched my heart. Like I could, I could have cried because I'm coming, I'm coming from a place where I, when I worked in Orlando at Disney, as inclusive as Disney is, they were using white men and women to play these ethnic characters in the park, mm. as long as they had mm-hmm. a good tan on. Um, where, oh. <laughs> whereas, here, <laughs> whereas here, I walked in the door and there's a like six foot five Middle Eastern man with this giant smile on my face saying, hi, I'm Michael and I play Aladdin. I was like, oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. We want to see this 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 type of this type of uh, work environment where the people like around me to my left, one Japanese man, me, a mixed guy, and to my to my right, a Latino, a white man down the corner, like so diverse. It's been such a blessing to be a part of this specific show. I can't speak for everywhere um, mm. because, like I said, there are places where I think we could still use improvement. However, I do see it. Yes, that's so amazing to hear that you feel supported. You feel that there has been a shift forward mm-hmm. in terms of that policy around minority groups. That's amazing. So what's next for Jacob? Oh, I don't know. Okay, no, that's, that's not true. <laughs> what I know is what's next for me, I want to 
I want to make it work here. I did the first part of getting here and now I want to make it work. I'm really interested in film and television work. And I know that it's, it's done here. <laughs> I know it gets done. here. Yes. So I'm honestly hoping now that I'm done with this first part of my Aladdin contract, I have a lot more free time, which means I have more audition time. Mm-hmm. So that's, what's next. I can't. So film and TV. As, as, as one thing that I want to do so much. I've always, and I've always been like that. There's so much I want to do. I want to do it all. And so I think that there's never like a, a, a end goal, if that makes sense. There's always going to be a next. So yes, right now, next, I want to, I want to be in a commercial. Yeah. I want to, I want to. I can see you doing that. Yeah. I want to see what, I want to see what I can do on film and television. Amazing. And what advice would you give to emerging performers? Anyone that wanted to be on Broadway, now that you have some experience Mm -hmm. doing it yourself, (laughs) based on all your background, other than be on time, don't get fired, (laughs) what would you advise? I would say be yourself. I think that that has been my lesson. I wouldn't be where I am today without the choices that I made, good or bad. and. I don't let those choices rule my my world. I accept them, I own them, and I let my work speak for itself. So I yes. say, let your work speak for itself, know yourself, and when you go into a room, leave the desperation at the door. Do what you love. Mm-hmm. Because if you mm-hmm. bring if you bring the desperation into the room with you, they can feel it. Everyone can yes. feel it. So leave it at the door. Yes. Just be happy yes. and prideful with who you are, what you have, and it'll work for you too. That's amazing advice. I love that. Thanks. We're going to share links to you if anyone wants to follow you on social media or find out more about what you're doing. We'll share your links. Okay. And it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I was really excited when you accepted my invitation. And hopefully... At this point of time, I'm planning on being in Philadelphia yes, yes. at the end of May, early June, and I have a few days prior to going to the conference that I'm attending, and hopefully if you're still in the show then, I will come and watch you I would love and come and visit you. I would love to see you. Please do, please. Yes, I will do. No, of course, of course. That That's kind of on my bucket list. So it would be the last weekend of May. Hope to see you, thank you. in your show. Thank you. And thank it you would for be having amazing. me on the podcast. I'm so happy that you reached out and wanted to talk to me about my journey because I have loved that you've been a part of that growth so much or been there, been there for each of my, I like defining moments, my first ship contract, my last ship contract. And now you're going to come hopefully and see me while I'm here. Of course I will. Of course I will. You've been been along the ride with me. And so this has been. I have, I have been along part of that that ride with you and I feel very honoured and privileged that I have been able to to do that and to get to know you. It's been really special and, and you truly are remarkable and I wish you all the very best in the future and, and I'm sure all your dreams are going to come true because you are deserving. Thank you. 100%. Thank you. So thank you for your time, Jacob. You've been really generous with your time and 
I will see you in May. All right. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jacob. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A Voice and Beyond. I hope you enjoyed it as now is an important time for you to invest in your own self-care, personal growth and education. Use every day as an opportunity to learn and to grow so you can show up feeling empowered and ready to live your best life. If you know someone who will also be inspired by this episode, please be sure to copy and paste the link and share it with them. Or share it on social media and use the hashtag A Voice and Beyond. I promise you, I am committed to bringing you more inspiration and conversations just like this one every week. And if you would like to help me, please rate and review this podcast and cheer me on by clicking the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts right now. I would also love to know what it is that you most enjoyed about this episode and what was your biggest takeaway. Please take care and I look forward to your company next time on the next episode of A Voice and Beyond.